is Hard Place, a novel by R.A. Jacobson. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Chapter 29. Jacob Hunts in His Dreams. Jacob stood knee-deep in the cattails on the bank of a broad, slow river. The water was black, reflecting the overcast afternoon sky. He looked down, trying to see into the depths. Swirls of deeper black, shapes indistinct and fleeting, shifted below the surface, but the bottom eluded him. It was only a river, but he was afraid of it. He knew there was no reason. However, something was different here. There was a sense of malice to it, as if the river knew he was there and wished him harm. A mist clung to the surface of the river, obscuring the river in both directions. He looked across to the other bank. He could see ghostly bulrushes, trees, and what appeared to be the silhouette of a man. He squinted, but could not see through the mist as it slowly thickened to fog. There was somebody there, he was sure of it, but he could no longer see the bank at all. Jacob gave up trying. The familiar weight made him look down. A gun rested in the crook of his arm, but not his two forty-three. It was a long gun, familiar, and yet he couldn't place it, couldn't tell what kind of gun. He held it out and looked carefully. It had an octagon barrel, lever action, and it felt old. The stock was nearly black with age, with large gashes crisscrossing the surface. The metal was dark, with a deep hint of blue. Bluing, the word came to him from somewhere deep in his past. With a shrug, he dropped it back into the crook of his arm. He could see nothing across the river. The fog, thick and white, seemed to have moved closer to him. Now he could barely see, only a short distance in front of him. He shivered, still feeling malice from the black water. He turned his back to the river and examined the unbroken forest. The trees towered above him, a solid bank of green. He had walked through the bush his entire life, at first only exploring, then later he carried a gun, sometimes hunting, sometimes not. He looked down at the gun he held. He must have been hunting, he guessed. Feeling better to be on familiar ground, he stepped forward, looking for a break, an opening in the wall of trunks. At first it appeared to be impenetrable, but as he scanned, the trees in front of him opened ever so slightly. Turning sideways, he slipped between the trunks. Several paces past the tree line, the trunks thinned and walking became easy. He realized the snow wasn't as deep as he first thought. Snow? His breath puffed out in front of him. The snow in the forest muffled his footsteps. He kept moving as carefully as he could. He knew the frozen trunks would echo loudly if he bumped them with the butt of his gun he carried. He glanced down at the gun in his arm. He recognized his 243 Remington, mounted with a scope his dad had given him when he was 12. Holding it made him feel like a man. Now he knew it wasn't the gun that made him feel that way. It had been the trust his dad had shown him by giving it to him. With regret, he remembered it was a misplaced trust. He hadn't been old enough to carry it. And had not respected the trust he had been shown, nor the gun itself. One afternoon, riding along on his bike, he had shot up a bunch of signs. He claimed, at the time, it had been a friend's idea. It hadn't been. The cops had gotten involved, and he had to work to pay off the damage. It turned out to be a hard lesson, and it was some time before he was handed a gun again. The trees, heavy with snow, bent inward, 
arcing over the narrow trail, making a crisp white tunnel. He paused and listened. He loved being in the forest in winter. There was a softness to the sounds unlike any other time. A chickadee twittered, a branch high up rubbed against another in the slight wind, making a low sawing sound. A dark shadow flashed overhead, carried by the whistling sound of heavy wings. He looked up and heard the caw of a raven echo back to him. And there was another sound. Far off in the trees, a twig snapped as something large moved through the forest. Jacob stepped cautiously. He had only moved a dozen paces when he heard another muffled snap. He was still on the path in the snowy hallway. Crouching slightly, he continued to move, rifle held loosely in his hands. He froze as he caught sight of the vast dark shape as it moved in the trees. As he watched, the brown form stepped onto the path some distance in front of him. It was a huge bull moose. Even at this distance, he could see the antlers were massive, larger than he'd ever seen. They had to be 90 or even 100 inches, much larger than he had seen on the walls of hunters he'd known, hunters who had been overly proud of their trophies. Jacob stalked the moose as it took another step. He was downwind from the animal. It wouldn't know he was there. He raised his rifle, sighted through the scope. The magnified brown shape of the animal filled the lens. He moved along the animal's body toward the neck, looking for the top of the shoulder. He had traveled too far to the right and caught the magnificent animal's eye. It rotated and looked straight at him. When it blinked, the scope filled with brown. Jacob lowered the rifle. No longer a hundred yards away, the moose stood directly in front of him. It towered above him, nearly twenty feet to its huge antlers that were draped in dark moss. They snapped delicate upper branches, raining clumps of snow down. Jacob could smell the heady musk of the creature and feel its hot breath on his face. If he reached up, he could have barely touched the chest of the gigantic beast. Jacob! Jacob. Why are you here? Why do you seek me? The moose's deep, resonant voice startled Jacob. His eyes snapped open. For a terrifying moment, he couldn't remember where he was. Then his head cleared. He must have fallen asleep in his chair with the TV on. He stood, switched it off, walked to the kitchen and drank a glass of water. The clock on the stove said 3.36. Still feeling fuzzy, he had a piss and went to bed and fell asleep instantly. Jacob stood on darkened pavement. The white line vanished into the black. In the distance, he could see the lights of a farmyard. Further off in the opposite direction, the lights of the city glowed faintly just on the horizon. With a start, he realized where he was and when he was. From where he was standing, he could see, in the middle of the crossroads, his young self, 17 and about to make the worst decision of his life. As he watched... A 1969 GTO pulled up, and a thin man stepped out. Jacob ran. He ran full out, screaming and yelling, hoping to stop what had already happened, running to save his life, to undo his greatest mistake. He ran, tears streaming down his cheeks. But the road was empty. The judge and the young Jacob were gone. Jacob slowed and stopped. 
He stared at the spot that he had hated for most of his life, ever since that night. Angrily, he wiped his eyes on his sleeve. A low snort behind him made him turn to face the head of a massive bull moose. Its smoking eyes glowed. Jacob stepped back. Jacob! Jacob. No, no, that a that single, single tear opened, opened the door for the, the imposter. imposter. The, the deal, deal was not, not the deal you sought. sought. The deal, the deal is, is a lie. lie. The, the balance, balance will be renewed with, with death's return. return. I, I don't understand. A lie? What's a lie? Jacob thought he was talking about his tears, but no, someone else's. What are you talking about? Soon, Soon Jacob. Jacob. I, will I will speak, speak the words, words but, but now, now you, you must, must wake. wake. Jacob's body jerked awake and his eyes flashed open. Fuck! Oh, it's you! You near scared the shit out of me! A ghostly shape of one of the twins from the judge's trailer stood at the side of his bed. Come to us, we have a question, the child said in Mary's voice, then disappeared like smoke blown from a candle. An hour later, Jacob rode up and stopped in front of the pretty little house at the edge of the town where the ants lived. Jacob! So nice to see you again. I see you received our message. Mary, what's up? Did you finish? Oh, no. We're getting close, but it takes time. If a job's worth doing, Mary said. It's worth doing right. Come in, Jacob. Tea, Mary said. Once again, Jacob cautiously made his way to the living room and sat with a cup of tea on his lap. The three Marys gazed at him. Jacob, something doesn't quite feel right. The wool, the wool is singing a very different song. Jacob, who did you call when you signed your contract? The Marys asked in unison. Um, the judge, of course. Jacob frowned, unsure why they would ask. And who is the judge? They asked. Jacob looked at them suddenly unsure who he had met that night so many years ago. Some miles away, but getting ever closer, two men in large black hats and dark suits drove along a gravel road in a black 1936 Ford coupe with white wall tires. Inside, dead flies litter the floor and dash. The men smile at each other hugely. Tune in next Tuesday for Chapter 30, The Dog's Strange Eyes. Stories from a Hard Place is a narrative podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another chapter from Hard Place, read by the author. Opening music by Noah Zachran. Production copyright by R.A. Jacobson, 2022. If you'd like to support Stories from a Hard Place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hardplace. If you would like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it anywhere books are sold, including your local library. You can find links to all these and much more at Deadcat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Thanks for listening. Keep the shiny side up.